Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. I really enjoyed interviewing the next guest for the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I actually stole him whilst I was listening to the TRN podcast with Gordon and James as he was sharing the stage with one of our longest standing uh, connections as key recruitment and actually somebody who's been on our podcast before Nina Lockwood uh, and this next guest was so delightful to listen to I thought I've got to get him on for you uh, as our community so this is Rupert Wallace who is the MD of Media Contacts and we talk about a multitude of things not least what is a very intriguing industry there's real similarities between media and recruitment without a shadow of a doubt so he talks us through the career and the media journey over the last 25 years since he joined in 1998, um, where we are now as, as a digitalized media industry. Uh, we also talk about the evolution of the recruiter over that period of time. And, and trust me, this isn't a history lesson. This is just a really interesting insight from somebody who has adapted and evolved and you know led a business through a management buyout, which again is another part of the interview that I think you'll find really interesting, especially for any leaders who have either gone through that or are thinking of going down that route um, offering equity to their top billers. There's some real elements there that I think will um, really resonate, especially those who've maybe stuck at a certain headcount. Uh, how do you get yourself beyond that sticking point and grow and potentially double in headcount without compromising on the values and principles that's made your business successful in the first place? And then we end the podcast on a really beautiful moment where we talk about him um, channeling all his experience over the last 25 years to somebody starting out. So if you're listening to this and you're in your first recruitment job, stick around till the end of the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I have a confession to make to our lovely community. I've actually stolen the guest today because I was listening to him whilst uh, dropping into one of my favourite pods, which is the TRM podcast um, with the wonderful James Osborne. And he was actually lit- uh, doing a co-host with one of my longest standing recruitment um, friends, which is Nina Lockwood. And I dropped this next guest a message and said, please come on my podcast, because I just thought he was so enjoyable to listen to. And some of the things that he was sharing with the TRN audience was so pragmatic and very much along my mindset. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to our community today, Rupert Wallace, who is the MD of Media Contacts. So welcome to you today. How are you, Rupert? Thank you. I'm very well, thanks. How, how about you? I am very well, and thank you so much for joining us. So for those who have not yet heard you on a podcast, tell us a little bit about who you are and what your business does. Yeah, sure. So I've been in recruitment now for almost 25 years, uh, coming up in September. Um, I have worked all that time for Media Contacts. So I joined the company back when recruitment was a much smaller industry. We had five or six competitors. We just recruited for media sales roles. It was in the days people were still buying magazines. And the business was owned by a chap called Hugh Jocelyn. Um, Hugh previously had a business called Jocelyn Rowe, which became one of the world's bigger financial recruitment consultancies, Mm. which he sold to set up our business. Um, 
really because he wants to do something a bit more um, people focused. The media industry is quite vibrant um, and that he could really enjoy. So I, I joined them. We had about six or seven staff, something like that. And um, since then, we have been growing. Um, we stayed relatively small. Hugh kept the business as a lifestyle business for him. So we always had a cap on about 15 staff, about one, 1. 1.5 million turnover. But then we went through a big change um, five or six years ago. We agreed to do a management buyout, wow. which we uh, completed last year. Congratulations. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. So it's an exciting time for us. We're going through a lot of growth. We've had a lot of change. Mm. Um, we've broken that sort of glass ceiling and um, and going places. Wow. This is seems like a really poignant time to be having a conversation with you. And I know that when I explained to you before we started to record, a large part of our community is other recruitment leaders. And there will be plenty mm. within that cohort who have, you know, gone through maybe possibly a management buyout, possibly actually launched their own. We do get a lot of people who've, you know, set up on their own. So I think yep. they're going to be sat there with uh, with their pen and paper ready to, to listen to some of your experience. And we've actually had a similar amount of time in the recruitment sector. I also joined in 1998. So, you know, kudos to anybody that's kind of, I don't know, if did you drop in, you know, to see 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 what see what recruitment's all about 25 yeah. years ago. And you're still here 25 years later. Yeah, no, exactly. I was I was just applying for jobs in general to move out of home, move into London with with my girlfriend and um it was one of the jobs I was offered, so I thought yeah. I'd have a go at it. Give it, give it a go, see what it's like. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm still seeing how it goes. So there you go, quarter yeah. of a century later, and you just look blinking, it's all gone. No, it's. I, I feel like we're going to cover so many things here. And actually, um, you know, I started my recruitment career in a different sector in engineering, but for a short period of time, we were actually, in theory, competitors. But I, I did the northwest market, but I did advertising and media. So it is a very, very vibrant, like you say, very people centric. I think that what's really interesting is that we obviously share some commonality in terms of our backgrounds, but I'm really keen to sort of understand how your sector and your industry has changed over that period of time. Because, of course, when you, you very rightly said, and maybe it was a flippant remark, but, you know, that was in the days where people used to buy magazines and papers. And, of course, anyone listening now, especially those in the, in the start of their career, can't even imagine that world. So how has the landscape changed from this traditional, you know, through the line media, you know, advertising on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and now, of course, everything's digitalized and we're in a virtual world. So just talk us through a little bit of the timeline. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development, too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. 
So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, sure. So it's um, you're right, there's been a lot of change. So when I started, as I say, we only did media sales recruitment and I was the first person to join the company who had never worked in media sales. Right. Um, originally, I was the office junior, sort of making the tea, washing up, helping out. And I wanted to start recruiting. So I was told to go and pick up some business that wasn't media sales and uh, run with it and find something to do. <laughs> so um, I looked at things like journalism, um, production, the people who make the magazines, mm. the events industry. And back then we had what was then called the dot-com boom just beginning to kick off. So things like web designers and, and web producers. And fortunately, I was good at recruitment, but also had latched on to where the future of the media industry was going. Mm. Because with people stopping to buy magazines, all the companies had to repurpose their revenue streams. Mm. So things like websites, events, you know, they were the new money coming in. So that really took off and um, became actually our principal part of the business and media sales we virtually stopped doing, mm. um, which was fantastic for me because I could then build up a team which then became the company. Mm. Um, but you're right. I mean, now very few magazines are sold. Mm. You know, most product is either digital if it's on the consumer side or if it's B2B, it's about conferences and exhibitions um there's been some huge merger and acquisition activity in the events industry in the last 12 months um because that is the hot hot market at the moment yeah so it's yeah. been a big change excellent and then in terms of virtual reality have you, have you got any involvement in that yet how's that working in your agency world um a little bit not much um i've actually got a friend who who runs a vr company and um I think people are still finding their way in it. And I think uh, Facebook or now called Meta is an example of that. They've ploughed mm. billions into VR, but it's sort of not worked for them because no. there was no strategy. They just thought it's something they should do. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of the dot-com days where people said you must have a website. Mm. Um, but a lot of them are rubbish. The biggest truth and the biggest irony of recruitment is that a lot of recruitment agency websites are absolute bobbins. But the reality yeah. is we, we all congregate on LinkedIn, but that's a whole different conversation, isn't it, really? So your mm. career journey, I love that you started as a tea boy. Cheers. Um, <laughs> Cheers. I wonder if you were I wonder if you were any good at it. Because I know when I when I started pre-recruitment, I, I had lots of junior jobs like we all do, and uh, I was rubbish at making tea. But I kind of did it deliberately, so I didn't have to do it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's best not to be too good at that yeah. one. Definitely. There's a life hack for all, for all of you. Make yourself a cup of tea. Uh, no, I'm only joking. So you're, the role of a recruiter has evolved then. And I imagine that there's possibly a similar sort of evolution, therefore. So we started out and it was a very much a sales job. You said that, you know, go and develop a new, a new division. So yeah. how, when you're hiring people in now, what sort of profiles are you looking for in terms of sales capability versus marketing, PR? You know, we, we have so many different components now to being a mm. successful recruiter. So what are your thoughts on the evolution of a recruiter? The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. 
Inclusion crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialize in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, Higher regard, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. Well, it's changed a lot and um, there's a lot of differing views out there in the market. So when we started the MBO journey, one of our advisors was really suggesting that we go to a 180 model. Right. And um, back then, the economy was pretty good. You know, we're talking about pre-2020, you know, 2018, 2019. Mm. So we started hiring and training resources. Um, then COVID came and uh, mm -hmm. decimated the job market and there was nothing for them to do and yeah. because these people couldn't fundamentally do business development mm. we had to get rid of them sadly mm. for them mm. and it really made me think about it and I'm quite a strong believer the 180 model doesn't really work um, people have got to sell um, because even when you look at some of the resources you say well I couldn't do BD you then look at their influencing sales skills to candidates mm. and sometimes they're lacking there and they have very little candidate control. Mm. Um, so I think fundamentally you've got to be a deal maker and a salesperson to be a good recruiter, whether that's on the candidate side or the client side. So mm. the first thing we look at is whether someone is entrepreneurial. Um, and when I was a kid, I used to buy multi-packs of chocolate bars and uh, sell them in the school playground because the other kids weren't allowed out at lunchtime. We were, we were too young and, and made a huge profit doing that. So I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We look for, we look for entrepreneurial examples like that, you know, people who have tried to make money or do something uh, yeah. of their own initiative. Mm. I think that's a really interesting point. And I think it's one that is pro probably one of the biggest topics in recruitment and one that I must get asked at least once a day by clients of whether the 180 model actually works. And I think the answer is for some, particularly in the search world, it, it can work where you're working on retained projects because actually those 
in the delivery role are actually, you know, they are very entrepreneurial because they have to go out and to build out talent pools. But I think if we're talking in the general contingency market, um, I have seen very few examples where it works brilliantly. Um, I actually came from a 180 model. So before I started in media recruitment, I was trained in the 180 model where I was the I was actually the candidate resource. But the reality is within the first week, they were just like to let her on the phone to the clients because I just I needed to control. And I think that's the real problem. There's, there's a disconnect between the control of the process. If you don't yeah. have the two 180s who combine to make the 360 in true symbiotic um, mindset. And I think yes. that it actually is such a rare piece of magic for that to really happen. That's where I think what's happened over the last 24 months since COVID in what's happened in your businesses happened across the whole industry mm. in that the delivery consultants that have been brought in post sort of boom post recession obviously we you know we can revert back 15 years ago to post recession mm. they've not necessarily had to have influence skills they've not necessarily had to but actually now where we're at i think this is actually normal recruitment yeah and i think yeah. building relationships how can you build a relationship with the candidate if you don't then where, know where to go and place them I don't know what you think. No, exactly. And even with retained business, we we do some retained work. Mm. Um, I yeah. picked up a retainer last week. And the first thing when I was pitching the brief, the client wanted to know is what is the candidate market like? What are yeah. they earning right now? Why do they want to move? And if I was only doing client work, I might struggle with that. Um, they also want regular updates. Who are we headhunting? What are they saying? What are the objections? So, again, if you're away from the coalface, it's hard to give that proper comprehensive service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. I think I actually have a, a very sort of con not contrary view of the recruitment market, but it's actually quite simplistic in that if we were to sort of go back to the start of time of recruitment and actually create a microcosm so each recruiter ran their own business, they ran their own profit centre. So we didn't have a sales commission. We, we ran desks on profit. And that, that recruiter, that, the job of a recruiter is to win business, is to then deliver on the business, is to have insights, is to understand candidates. And you basically, what you said, entrepreneur, so you're running your own business within a business. I think we'd probably have less recruiters, but I think we would be regarded as you would regard a financial advisor or a solicitor. You know, you would we would be seen as the true professionals. And I think we've almost done ourselves out of that level of, and I think we're getting there. I think we're getting yeah. there. But I think that this perception of, you know, we just go and, you know, the whole objection of you just get us a load of CVs because that's actually what they think a delivery person does is actually couldn't be further from the truth. We are, mm. we've got our finger on the pulse. We know everything that's going on in the market, but only if we're seeing the holistic view, which we yes. can't do if we're just seeing one side. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, well, there you go. I'm glad we, I'm glad we agree on that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love I love that we're, you know, I didn't realise that you've gone through a management buyout. So I'm actually quite, it's quite nice when I've got a little surprise like that. Because for me, talk us through that journey in terms of the mindset, bearing in mind our listeners, a large part of them are, are um, leaders like yourself. So what was that like from a psychological point of view? And what, sure. then, what then do you think the advantages are for those listening who maybe are considering that option for themselves? Sure. Well, it was, um, it was a few years coming. I was turning 40 when I started to think about it, which is often a time people think about the next step in their career. Mm. Um, Hugh was in his early 60s. Um, so again, you know, maybe thinking about when or if he retired. And it took two or three years of wrangling to get to the decision to make it happen. Mm. I think, um, you know, I was certainly wanting to check I was ready to take that mm. responsibility. And Hugh was wanting to feel he could retire in his own time rather than being sort of pushed to retire yeah 
So it had to get to a point where both of our mindsets were in alignment. Um, and I also needed the buy-in of some of the key staff as well, um, because you don't want that to disrupt people or, you know, have them worry about the future. So the first thing I did was get um, three of my top performers um, with some equity in the business. Um, one I gave some equity to and the other two bought into it. Great. Um, which set us up for a good sort of long-term plan. Definitely. And then we we devised a plan where um, we would pick up the bill effectively through the business. So I didn't have a pot of money to spend. Hugh obviously needed value. So we we went about it through him taking from profits for a few years after the MBO date, um, you know, at an acceptable level to us. So it was sort of win-win for everyone, really. Mm, definitely. And then how? Where, obviously 12 months later, how do you feel that the business is transformed from attracting new talent in point of view? Because you mentioned there about giving your top performers some equity, which I think is an absolute, you know, a, a dead cert, isn't it? Because they've got skin in the game. They're going to be loyal to yep. you. They're, they're your best benchmark going forward then in terms of hiring, aren't they, strategy? So how have you found it in terms of attracting new talent in based on the MBO, the MBO status? I think it's good. I mean, I think, firstly, we are a growth business. You know, our business plan will take us to over 30 staff in the next year or two. Wow. And um, selling that idea before the MBO was very difficult because we would never mm. grow beyond that 15 staff point, really. Um, so I think people can now understand what's been going on. Yes. But there's also the positive of the pre-MBO to sell. You know, when we were a lifestyle business, it meant that within a lifestyle business you focus on quality you want to be proud mm. of your work you enjoy your work so yeah we've got that great foundation of clients and candidate relationships and our reputation but now this mm. growth bit added mm. and I think that combination is very compelling for people mm. um and the fact that you know three of the top performers have wanted to be part of that journey have equity buy into it you know and see themselves as part of the long-term future Definitely. gives good stability I think there's, I mean, definitely from my perspective, the the 15 headcount is often a pain point for a lot of business owners. And there'll be a lot of them listening now, nodding away because it's, you kind of go, you go forward a bit, you maybe get to 20 and then you shrink back a little bit because you're bound to have a little bit of attrition. How do we ensure that um, you achieve that growth in terms of not compromising on the quality, which you've obviously worked so hard to achieve? We are so proud to be partners of Needy the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering.
Now, back to the episode. So how do you replicate what you've got now as 15 if you're then going to double your headcount? Sure. Well, I think firstly, the the thing that was really important to me is getting professional advisors in. So um, originally, um, I got a guy called Alex Arnotin, who was seen as a sort of recruitment expert who Mm. really helped with business planning and um, changing training plans and job plans, then joined TRN. Um, and you know, I get regular advice and coaching, which helps. And mm. I've always had a big interest in business, and I know people in consultancy outside of recruitment as well. So I'm sort of aware of the steps to take. So, you know, one of the things I'm looking for right now is a part-time FD because I think that's the next part of growth. Mm. Um before too long, we'll need to get a, a broader HR function in. Um, we've set up a marketing department, which we didn't have before. So those sort of building blocks are coming yes. in. Um, but it's got to be done at the right time because otherwise you leave yourself very financially exposed. You've got to yep. generate the money to pay for these things as well. You do. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I'm, I can think of a few examples of companies who have got ready to scale and haven't got those people in place and then the structure collapses, like you say, but I think you're probably doing it at the right time. That's re- Thank you for sharing that with us because I appreciate that that's, that's quite sensitive. So thank you for that. So if you could... Uh, pick up the phone or whatever we used to do 25 years ago. I think it probably was just picking up the phone, wasn't it? We didn't do Zoom or anything. There was no internet then. Um, If you could go back to Rupert of 1998, just as he's about to start on his recruitment career, what's the golden piece of advice you'd give to him? I think to stick with it. I think um, the biggest place I see people dropping out of this industry is typically in the one to two year stage. Mm. You get a lot of people who start terribly excited, make a few deals, then maybe they have a dropout or it gets tough or the market changes a bit. Mm. And I think people, it annoys me when I see some junior candidates from rec to rex, they all come in and one of the things they always push is it's a fast route to money. Mm. And it makes it sound to me like it's an easy buck and they don't have to work very hard for it. But, you know, a good recruiter will be earning six figures like any other profession. Mm. And if you look at the other professions, you don't qualify overnight. You know, it takes a few years to get up and running. And I think in recruitment, people have to understand that. And um, luckily, I was patient enough to understand it and and kept with it. But Mm. you see good talent going sometimes because people get very impatient. Yeah. I think I think that there's there's a couple of things. There. I think one is that there there is a sense of instant gratification with, and you know that's the generation that that they have grown up in. That you know you think mm-hmm. you look at influencers and it looks like they're an overnight success, but of course even they've been working for years behind the scenes to get to a point. But I think you're absolutely right. And I always say, you know, if I can add to your advice to Rupert of, of 25 years ago, enjoy the process because if you actually mm-hmm. enjoy the recruitment process you will get the secondary reward, which is the financial compensation for it. And I think if you want to listen to, you know, people like Rupert who've been in the market a long time, as have as I, you know, I've been doing it quarter of a century. I, yes, of course, I enjoy earning well, but for me, it's about the process. I love yep. how recruit, how complex our process is. And that's, you know, if I can also add to your advice, you know, it isn't a simple you know, ABC, it's so, there's so many different layers to recruitment. It's actually a fascinating bit of human psychology, what we do, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're quite right. And I like your comments about enjoying it. I'm, in my spare mm-hmm. time, I do karate. And one of the things we say in that is um, the destination doesn't matter. It's enjoying getting there. Yeah, yeah. Take your time and enjoy mm-hmm. those little steps. Like in life, you know, once you've done something, it's done. Yeah, yeah. You should make the most of every minute of it. And yeah. And recruitment, you should be enjoying it. If you're not, 
maybe you're in the wrong job. You know, there'll be times when it's tough and you think, oh, what a rubbish day. But fundamentally, Mm. you should enjoy it. Yeah, you do. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast now, thank you so much for joining us, but you probably listen to others. And if you listen to things like high performance or diary of a CEO, when they interview like these top, you know, the, the world Olympians, you know, the best sports champions around the world, they all say that very often there's a sense of, you know, anticlimax when they've achieved their Olympic gold. And it was actually the process of getting to that goal that they enjoyed more when they looked back. And that's basically what what we're agreeing on that. The, the actual art of what we do is so wonderful that you're taking a candidate on a journey and you're fulfilling a client's, you know, ambitions to to support their business in growth. And actually, if that's the bit that you enjoy, the money's almost secondary. So, yep. yeah, yep. No, that's a really nice place to finish this podcast. And I'm sorry about this. It Hopefully, we, we have had a couple of glitches with Wi-Fi and possibly a FaceTime call in the middle. So hopefully you've, st- you've stuck with us. We really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed that. I'm so glad I, I dropped that message to you, Rupert. I think uh, we need more leaders like you in our industry. I think everyone will agree. So thank you so much for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Thank you. Lovely chatting with you. Yeah, you too.